Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Yeah, we did this research seven years ago, and we put customers into segments. And these are the segments we came up with seven years ago. And that means that, you know, they're right for today. And you think, nope, the world's changed pretty much. Demographic information is great. And to your point of, of number two here, which is that you need multiple inputs, demographic information should absolutely be one of those inputs. So I'm not, I'm not knocking on demographic information. But if that's all you've got in your segmentation, you are doing it wrong. For me, organizations should be doing behavioral segmentation because it's about how people behave. It's not about the fact that they happen to live in New Jersey. Ryan, I was, I was reading this really interesting report from a test, and the tests do brand tracking, consumer profiling, and creative testing. And it was talking about a subject that was near and dear to our hearts, which is targeting customers and segmentation. Yes. And uh, when I was reading this report, it said that 57% of Americans want brands that make them laugh and or to be entertained. And That's interesting. That's yeah, really high. It is. And yeah. 66% of, of the older demographic, so old people, I guess, also want them to, you know, even more so, yeah? I don't know what the theory is behind that one. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're coming to the end of their days and they just want to be entertained now. Well, I don't. This got dark, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> well, what it was actually making me think is, I wonder if that's been affected by the pandemic, you know, sort of the doom and gloom and um, uh, understandably so around that. And, I would and guess, let, let, yeah. Let, let, me, let me go on and, and talk about a couple of other interesting stats that came out of the report. Um, and by the way, uh, because this will lead us on to the subject for today. Can, uh, can I ask that you limit your stats just to those concerning death? Like, I just, I, I just want to, <laughs> want to be real brought low today if, if we can manage it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no yeah, okay. Problem. Good, so, if anybody's interested in this report, by the way, I would certainly recommend reading it. It's, it's worth, as you can see from these stats that I'm quoting here. It's the 2022 U.S. Consumer Trends Report, and we will put a link in the in the show notes. So let me re let me go back to those stats. Fifty seven percent they said they want brands that made them laugh and be entertained, and that was actually last year when they did a similar report. Only four percent of people said they want to feel amused. Okay, now whilst the data you can't you know compare apples with apples, you know it, it's moved significantly. Okay, but the other the next area down was. The um, Americans want, and this is 47% of Americans, want brands who inspire or motivate them, okay? And I thought to myself, actually, there's a big difference, isn't there, between a customer wanting you to, them to feel entertained and laughing and feeling inspired and motivated. And, you know, it's very difficult for one organization to do that. So it, it, you know, that, that fascinated me. What about you? 
Yeah, no, that that's super interesting. It, it gets to one of my my favorite foundational insights about customers, which is just that people are different. So many firms seem to forget that and act like they're serving the average customer or whatever that means, or, or that they can try to reach everybody. But I mean, the, those two stats, as you as you mentioned, like you know, some people want fun and entertainment, some people want insp- inspiration and motivation, like those. Those are very different, and it's going to be really rare for a single brand to meet both of those needs simultaneously. So this led me on to think, you know what? We haven't done a five rules on targeting and segmentation. So today, we're going to talk about five rules to ensure that you target the most valuable customers. I love it. Ryan and I talk about segmentation a lot, and hopefully this gives you some some really actionable stuff for you to go off and think about. So segmentation or targeting customer, which effectively the answer is, how do you do that? Well, you segment your market. Got to segment before you can target. Absolutely. And one of the key things here is the first rule is segmentation is dynamic and it shifts. Okay, and I think the the stats that I've just given you are a prime example of that. I worry that many organizations, their segmentation is poor anyway, and we'll go on and talk about that. I also worry that they turn around and go, yeah, we did this research seven years ago, and we put customers into segments. And these are the segments we came up with seven years ago. And that means that, you know, they're right for today. And you think, Nope, the world's changed pretty much. Yeah, in some cases, seven years might even be generous. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Yeah, no, it's uh, incredible. So, you know, just based upon those stats that I've I've just given you, then, you know, what you'll start to see is that things change. Customers' habits change. New jobs are introduced. And again, we've said this during the pandemic, habits have changed so much. The Where people live changed so much, The you know, the... The, the working from home has, has, has changed so much. In fact, you know, here's another stat from, the, from that report that I found interesting. 65% of the working population work from at home at least one day a week. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, I thought it would be more than that. But that leads me on to part of the problem. Part of the problem is, is that sort of that definition. And what I mean by that is, if you read the stat, it's 65% of the working population, okay? So the danger is, is what I was doing was going, people like me, yeah, you know, white-collared yep. workers working on their computers, and actually the working population, you know, a lot of people don't have the luxury of, of working from their home location and stuff like that. They have to go to factories and work outside, teachers, retail, or, or you know, and suddenly you think, yeah, actually, that makes uh, that stat now makes a hell of a lot of sense, basically. Well, and and to your your point in this this first rule here, even that question would vary dramatically month by month, depending on where we were during the pandemic. You know, pre pandemic, that number was probably much lower. Yeah, um, and then at a certain point in the pandemic, it was you know probably ninety percent. Everybody was at home, and then it fluctuates up and down since then. And right now, we're as we record this, we're in the midst of a 
a, a very profound conversation in business about the role of working from home. And so it'll continue to change. So your, your point about it's not enough to segment once and be done with it, that these things will continue to change over time and we need to keep checking back with our customers is a really good one. And, and just that one point by itself illustrates it. Like, are people working from home or are they working in offices? Well, it depends on when we ask. Yes, yes. And that leads us on to rule number two. And rule number two is when you're developing your segmentation, look for multiple inputs. Yeah. And what I mean about this is, you know, all too often it really, I was going to say the word annoy, but annoy is probably not the right word to use. It really surprises me. Oh, I'll say annoy. It annoys me. Oh, it annoys me. I know where you're going with this, and, and yeah. it annoys me. Where you go into an organization, you go, well, how do you deal with segmentation? Well, we've got big customers. We've got small customers. We've got medium-sized customers. Or, well, we've got customers that buy this product, and we've got customers that buy that product. And so, in other words, to say multiple points, you know, they're just using effectively one point, which is revenue or geography or product to make their segmentation, which it, for me is a, just a recipe for disaster. Over to you for a rant. <laughs> I'm, those, those annoy me. I'm also annoyed by how often segments are defined in purely demographic terms. I, it drives me crazy when I talk to my MBA students. They say, all right, well, what, who should be the, the target customer for this? And they say, ah, oh, young men aged 20 to 30 who have this level of income. Demographic information is great. And to your point of, of number two here, which is that you need multiple inputs, demographic information should absolutely be one of those inputs. So I'm not, I'm not knocking on demographic information. But if that's all you've got in your segmentation, you are doing it wrong. Um, because it's demographic information almost always cannot tell you why people are buying one brand over another. That goes beyond demographics. So I, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I'm annoyed from Georgia. So, Colin, I've got a pickle. Have you recorded it? Because I only deal with pickles that are recorded. Well, that's the issue I want to address. My pickle is I'm tired of talking. I want to let our <laughs> listeners talk for a change. Great because we've absolutely got the facility for them to do that now. All they need to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. Hit the big red button, and then they'll appear on the show. That's perfect. I'm going to go take a nap. Okay, number three, and I could argue this should be number one, actually, but number three is... Define what value means for you. So in other words, you know, why are you doing this? You know, what well, you, you're doing this to gain revenue? Are you doing this to increase satisfaction? Are you doing this because everybody else is doing it? But you know, what are you trying to get out of it, basically? Yeah, because again, depending on what you're trying to get out of it could depend upon the segments that you end up choosing. Do you have an example of that? Like of even hypothetical, like what are two different sources of value that a company might be seeking and then how that would, would kind of guide their, their segmentation? 
Yeah, it's a really good question, Ryan. So, so let me give you an example. I always like going to extremes with these things, okay? Because I, <laughs> I, I think going to extremes always shows that there's sort of um, the gray area in the middle, basically. Good, good. So an extreme is I could want to have a segment of customers who are, are going to buy things in the short term. I'm really not interested in the long term. I'm only interested in the short term. So the segment I choose could be, you know, early adopters for a technology product. Oh, yeah. 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 But I could also, at the other extreme, go, nah, what I want to build up is brand loyalty over a period of, you know, that will last for years. So now the segment that I choose, the type of target segment I choose would be different to just someone where I can get a quick buck out of them, yeah? And again, you know, the look and the makeup of those individuals could be a lot different. And that ties, interestingly, into our previous role, which is look for multiple inputs before making your choice. I like that. Good. Yeah, yeah. No, I like, I mean, if if you, you pitch this, this list as how to maximize value, right, out of your, your targeting, to do that, you need to know what you value. Like, what is it that you want to do? And, and naively, it might be we want to maximize profit. But there are actually a lot of reasonable goals for companies to have. So if you don't know what your goal is, is it growth? Is it kind of yeah. uh, brand value? Um, you know, is it long-term financial relationships? Unless you know what, what value you're seeking, you're not going to be able to yes. maximize. Could, could you just repeat the bit where you said you like this? No, because yeah, it fact, gave me a little bit of a warm glow. You no, know, in and, fact, we're going to cut that in post. Um, <laughs> that's going to not make it into. I apologize, <laughs> but it does lead actually on to the to the next rule, which is it's about the customer's behavior. Stupid. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, if I go back to the value question, yeah, you have to factor in how customers are going to behave. Okay you've got to factor in customer behavior. And this, again, is something that really, I'm going to use the word, annoys me, you know, is when you start looking at things just from a geographic or from a, um, from a, a demographic perspective. You know, for me, organizations should be doing behavioral segmentation because just because, as you mentioned with your MBAs, you know, that this is, they think it should be a, college degree person that's earning x amount of dollars uh whatever else it, it's not about that it's how the person behaves and that person could be a 60 year old they could be a 40 year old immigrant that's just come into the country or whatever it may be you get the idea yeah yeah you know it, it's about how people behave it's not about the fact that they happen to live in new jersey or they happen to live you know, in a four-bedroom detached house. Those may be indicators for the behavioral, but I go back to number two, which is you've got to have multiple inputs to make that that choice about segmentation. I, I will say really quickly, you should never target people from New Jersey. I mean, I'll just, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that there just as a, a bit of wisdom. But moving on from there to the larger point, yeah, if you've done your segmentation and defined a target, and, and you've done it in such a way that you don't know why one segment chooses something different from another segment, 
if you don't know kind of what is driving the customer behavior of those different groups, you haven't done your segmentation appropriately. That's the purpose. That's the point. The, the goal is not to have groups that demographically look different. The point is to have groups that decide differently, that have different sources of, of what they value or things that they want. And to your point, that means you could have a very demographically diverse segment. It could be old people and young people and rich people and poor people, but they all want the same thing. And then you've done your, your segmentation appropriately. Yeah, I mean, and it actually made me think about this uh, test research again, because one of the findings that they had was about uh, email marketing, which was 62% of people are happy to hear from brands at least once a week, okay? And I thought, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and then I thought, mind you, if it was Apple, it'll be all right. There you go. Yeah. But, but again, what it made me think was, and I, and I do like reports that make me think, what it made me think was, yeah, but, uh, and again, another really important piece here is that's a fact, okay? That 62% is a fact. The fact that I don't like it doesn't mean to say that I should therefore cut all of the emails to customers once a week if, if they find it acceptable, okay, which clearly they do. That's a fact. My opinion is that's too much, yeah? But that's because I'm in another part of the segment that, that don't want to get that. Yeah, you're, you're in the, yeah. the 48% or whatever, the 38%. If your target segment is in the 62% side or your target segment is in the 38% side of that, that's really important for you to know because they have different preferences. So knowing what the population as a whole is, is really useful. That's a good place to start. But then you need to dig in deeper than that, right? And, and use those insights to then refine your understanding of your specific targets and what they want so that you can maximize value for you. Yeah, and again, if you just take that as an example, because I, I genuinely, I read that and I thought, yeah, that seems, you know, I, I don't, not sure if I'd like that. And then I genuinely thought, mm, but if it was Apple, it'd be all right. And then I thought, yeah, but, you know, if it was KFC, would I want a message from them once a week, you know? But the point becomes, if you've got your segment, so we now know that 62% of them are happy to hear from brands once a week, 38% are not then that's fine. So guess what? You change your marketing strategy to fit those those segments, okay? And guess what? The message, so this goes back to our whole, not ours as, as if we invented it, but the whole concept around framing. You know, no, I've and, trademarked and, that now. You, uh, <laughs> you owe me a nickel every time think, you mention it. I think you're a bit late, mate. I mean, it would have been good to mm. have met the person that invented framing, but yeah, I don't think I have yet. You'll hear from my lawyer. <laughs> But the message that you frame to those different segments, again, becomes different. So, you know, the whole area of segmentation becomes really important. The last rule is personas are great for communicating your target customers. So I really like the idea of once you've created your target customer, yeah, and you know, and and by the way, 
I know I'm preaching to the converted. I'm telling you these things as if you don't know them. I do like to fight with you, though. So go ahead and tell me. <laughs> but, you, you know, you don't want 100 segments, do you? In fact, let me ask you the question. How many segments do you think you should have? It's a good, important question. So there's segments and then there's targets, right? So my general advice is you should have as few targets as you possibly can in order to be able to reach your revenue goals. So the best situation from a marketing strategy perspective is to have one target. Because now you know exactly who you're serving and how. When you're a large enough company, sometimes that's not reasonable. You need to have multiple segments that you're targeting. But in terms of segmenting the market as a whole in order to determine which of those segments you're going to target, usually something in the, the neighborhood of, of you know four to eight is what I think yeah. a lot of companies end up yeah. looking for. I agree. I totally yeah, if, agree. It's, if it's two, there's probably not enough insights there. Correct. If it's 30, it's just not manageable. No. And not only that is then what happens is the 80-20 rule applies and, and it's only the top ones that get focused on. But the great thing, so, let, you know, four to eight, I totally agree. If you've got four to eight and you can now start, turn around and say, you know, here is the segment. This is what a typical person in that segment looks like. And you can literally create a picture of them, you know, and even a story. One of the things that we find really useful when we're doing this type of stuff is make that persona live. You know, you can turn around and say, this person is called Betty and she's been married for X years and lives in this type of house. And you're starting to build up all of those typical things that people can, you know, those identifiers, but you can also start to bring in there some of her, her beliefs and stuff like that, which you've, you've brought out from some of that behavioral stuff. But it's a really good way of getting people to feel what that persona is and identify who who those people are. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you included this on the list. So to, to emphasize, personas are internally focused. In other words, the best targeting in the world is not going to do your company any good if the people making decisions can't understand it. If they, if they don't have an intuitive sense of who this target customer is and what they want and then, you know, how you can reach them, like how you can make them feel whatever they need to feel in order to, to maximize your, your customer experience strategy. If, you're, if your endline employees don't know all that stuff, then it, it kind of doesn't do any good. It, it doesn't actually get you where you need to go. So personas are a very efficient, almost narrative way to communicate a lot of that complex information efficiently and in a way that's very memorable and easy to communicate. Yeah, I totally agree, Ryan. Let me go through the five things. And these are the five rules to ensure that you target your most valuable customers. Rule number one, segmentation will shift and the dynamics will shift. Rule number two, Look for multiple inputs to develop your segmentation. Rule number three, define what value means for you. Rule number four, it's about customer behavior stupid. And rule number five, personas are a great way to communicate your target customers. So we hope that's been of use to you today. If I could ask you one favor, and that would be wherever you're listening from, please could you do a review? Reviews really help us. It's always great to hear from our listeners to find out how we're doing. 
if we're doing well, if we're not doing so well. But please do a review and let us know how we're doing. And we look forward to talking to you on the show next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.